Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Well, hey there. Welcome to this episode of The Burt Not Ernie Show podcast. Uh, I'm Jan L. Burt your host for the podcast. I also host the prayer podcast with Jan Elbert. Um, and that's not Elbert like E-L-B-E-R-T. It's middle initial L-B-U-R-T. Sometimes people think I'm saying Elbert and they can't find me when they try to look me up on the interwebs. It is middle initial L, last name, Bert, B-U-R-T. And the reason I did it that way was because janbert.com was not available when I was trying to buy my website domain. So there you go. Alrighty, this is episode number 175. And for those of you who don't know, we're kind of doing a series on the Burt Not Ernie Show podcast, which is all about God's promises, getting the promises of God into the people of God. That's where they belong. They don't belong out there floating around in the ether. And they're not just there to lay on the pages of your Bible. They're there for you to grab hold of and to believe. And that's the whole focus of this podcast. The prayer podcast has more of a focus on prayer. This one is all about God's promises and getting them from your head to your heart. That 18 inches, it can be the longest trek that any portion of God's word has to travel to really make a lasting impact. And my goal is to just take what I have learned, what the Holy Spirit has taught me, how I have grown in my walk with the Lord and share it as a way to encourage you, and by you, I mean abroad, you, you specifically, and you as many people as possible to really believe God's promises. Because when we live a believing life and we live a praying life, I'm going to tell you what, life change happens, and not just for us, for all of the people that are in our little or big, however big a pond or little pond you're in, our big or little circle of influence. And that is a life well-lived. You're listening to the Burt Not Ernie Show, part of the Spark Network, now playing in the Edify app. This is episode number 175. Alrighty, so in this series, going through the entire Bible, all 66 books, last time was Proverbs, so now we are into Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. Okay, this is a very poetic book. Um, it's a book that can be, um, I'm just going to say, uh, can be viewed somewhat risque. I'm not going to dive into those aspects of it. It is what it is, and it's in the Word of God, and it's a beautiful book. Poetic, uh, very much a love book. Absolutely, absolutely. This is about Solomon and his bride. One of his brides, we know he had a whole lot, like, um, you know, concubines and all. You have a total of like, what, 800 or so or a thousand. So this is one of his brides, but it's a poetic, romantic, beautiful song. And for us as New Testament Christians, Those who believe in Jesus as Messiah is what I mean by that. I guess that's the only way to be a Christian would be to be a New Testament Christian, right? But not so much for Jews who don't believe that their Messiah has come. For those of us who know that Jesus is Lord, we are New Testament believers or completed Jews, those Jews who have come to faith in Christ. This reminds us of God's great love for the church that was expressed so clearly 
through Jesus' life, his ministry, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and now him being seated at the right hand of the Father. So the overall promise, I would say, of this book of Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, whichever way it is titled in your Bible, the overall promise really is God's love. You know, he loves his bride. Jesus loves his bride, the church, so very much. And when you read this book and you think of it in terms of, as you're reading, you think about Jesus's great love for the bride, or you think about verses you have read from the New Testament about Jesus and his bride, which he is coming again to get. The marriage supper of the lamb is a beautiful thing that we get to participate in at Christ's second coming, right? Like it's a beautiful thing. He's coming again for his bride. This paints a picture of his love for the bride. So long as we're willing to receive the fact that like we are actually so incredibly loved. That can be hard for some of us. That can be hard for many of us. In Western society, open affections and things are just very, they're safe for the movies. You know, that's for the, for the, the rom-coms. It's not really in our everyday life. And how does that fit in with the church? This seems weird. Uh, you know, Jesus is a groom and we're the bride. This seems weird. We have a westernized view of things in the Bible. But nevertheless, if we can kind of get over that a little bit and just read it as it is and see that it represents and reminds us of Jesus's great love for us, which of course is the Father's great for love for us. And of course, is the Holy Spirit's great love for us. Man, you're, you're just going to be like, it's, it's a beautiful picture of love and it gets us more expectant about his coming and he is coming again and he's coming again very, very soon. So the overall promise of Song of Solomon is how much the bride is loved by the groom. It's also a book that has some warnings in it. Chapter two, verse seven, and this is from the New Living Translation, it says, promise me, O women of Jerusalem, and then it says, by the, you know, by the gazelles and the wild deer, promise me a woman of Jerusalem, not going to talk much about the gazelles and wild deer. That doesn't really fit the narrative I'm sharing with you today. Not to awaken love until the time is right. So we don't need to make our vows based on, uh, you know, gazelles and wild deer. We don't need to make those kinds of promises because your yes is yes and your no is no, says Christ Jesus. But don't awaken love until the time is right. There's this danger. There's this danger, and I'm going to speak to, I guess, both genders, but it does say women, so also to women, maybe primarily to women. Look, um, if you awaken love before the right time, that's, uh, that could be, you can get yourself in a whole heap of trouble. You know, you can become convinced, this is the guy you're going to marry, um, even though I'm only 16. Uh, I just know this is... my awakening love before the right time. It's not always great. It's another reason why social media is not always the best thing for younger people. It can, you know, or or whatever it is, right? Binging on Netflix, all kinds of movies. It can awaken things in us before God is ready for them to be awakened. Now, how do we put a spin on this that has to do with the New Testament church awaiting our bride? Well, you know, it. The part that it speaks to me as far as it being a promise for us as it applies to our life right now is that it helps me to remind myself that God's timing is perfect. You don't, if you're not going to awaken love at the wrong time, then that means there's a right time, right? So God has a right time. God has a right time. His timing is perfect. Does anybody listening today need to be reminded that God's timing is perfect? He has not once, never, no, not ever messed it up 
and just, you know, oops, that's really bad. That's screwed up pretty bad. That's all sorts of jagged up. God's timing was all off. No, because it doesn't work that way. So let this verse, chapter two, verse seven, remind you of the guarantee that the Bible proves and then all of humanity, all of those who have believed on the Lord God most high can testify to his timing is perfect. His timing is perfect. And that applies to you and to me. And also, if you're praying for somebody and they are not in the kingdom yet, they are not yielded to Jesus. You may be praying for a prodigal, um, run through a million different scenarios. You may have a group of, of other people that you pray with and you're praying for someone in particular. Maybe there's a bunch of you who are friends that go way back to like elementary school and you've got a couple of friends. They really have gone rogue. They're not, they're just not in a good place and you're praying for them. God woos woos us. He just woos us a little at a time and then a little at a time and sometimes big leaps and bounds. Even when you maybe can't look at it and say, I know God is working. You have to trust that he is and that his timing is perfect. He's not making any mistakes in his dealing with the people for whom you're praying. He's hearing you. He's answering. He's moving. And he's going to be just in time. He wooed you. He just, ooh, come on, come on, come on. And then sometimes like, oh, yeah, ooh, come, come faster, come faster. And then, okay, come on, come on. He's so patient and long-suffering. So keep praying. Let this verse encourage you to keep praying and keep trusting God to do what you're asking him to do, which is in this scenario the, that I'm referencing, to bring that person or those people to himself, to bring them into the kingdom, to give them the life abundant that Jesus promised. And when you're praying fervently for somebody, you can really want it to be hurried up. Let's move this thing along. It feels like it's taken too long. Just keep praying. Please just keep praying. Don't quit. Satan wants you to quit. God does not want you to quit. He wants you to know today that he's working. He's moving. He's hearing your prayers and he's answering. He's faithful. Will he not do it? Yes, he will. Absolutely. He will. So he loves them. He wants them in his kingdom. He's hearing your prayers and he's going after them in a way that may not look like anything that you outright recognize. It also might be kind of covert behind the scenes. Like they may not be sharing very much with you. And so you may not know that anything's happening, but things are happening because God is good. We serve a living God. We have a living savior. The Holy Spirit is living inside of us. He is living and active just like the word of God is living and active. Let's trust him to be living and active in the lives of those for whom we pray. Okay, so what about, um, there's a verse, I think it's verse 15 of chapter two. Yes, it is verse 15, chapter two of Song of Solomon. Catch all those foxes, the little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard. Wow. For the grapes, the grapevines are blossoming is the end part. So catch the little foxes. What? does that mean? Okay, well, it can mean a lot of things. It could be a really good reminder to us that the little things in in your workplace, in your marriage, in your parenting, the things that seem little, those little foxes, they can do a lot of damage, a lot of destruction if they're just left to run wild. Think about what foxes, you know, it's time for the harvest. The, the, the grapevines are blossoming and they could just tear it up and destroy the entire harvest. Really just a handful of foxes, little foxes that you might not even really notice running around in there. Be attentive to your life. Pay attention to the little things going on in your marriage, in your workplace, in your, I don't know, pick something, your relationship with your kids, in your, 
it in your small group, in your neighborhood, with your aging parents, it just you fill in the blank there. Pay attention to the little foxes. Those little things can all of a sudden one day, like the straw that breaks a camel's back, it didn't just happened just because one piece of straw was too much. It happened because over time, it's just piling up and this is too much. The little foxes are that way. So catch those little foxes, catch them. The things that are wreckers and destroyers. It's good marriage advice. It's good parenting advice. It's just good advice. It's also good advice when you apply it to your walk with the Lord. What gets in the way of your closeness with the Lord? What makes you dare I say, angry at God, distrust God? Are there any things that are little things, little foxes that you need to grab hold of and deal with? Get them out of your vineyard, off your property. You are closer to the harvest than you realize, the things coming to fruition. You are closer than you realize. And Satan may be sending little foxes in just to wreck and destroy and damage and ruin in the hope that the harvest won't actually come to pass. You're so close. Sometimes I think the enemy sees it better than we do, more clearly than we do. And he gets us going with these little things. It gets us discouraged because the little things can be tremendously discouraging. So catch the little foxes, just deal with them, deal with them. And I mean, primarily in prayer, first and foremost in prayer. If there's something you actually need to do, the Holy Spirit is going to show you uh, if you ask him. If you don't ask him, I don't think you have a guarantee that he's going to lead you and guide you. So you should pray about the things. And maybe a starting point is just, hey, Lord, can you show me what are the little foxes in my marriage, in my life, in my finances, in my workplace, in my relationship with this person or that person? Uh, but what are the, what about with my, my relationship with you, Lord? Are there any little foxes? Are there any things that are little that have gone from being like a little irritant, you know, to like, mm, okay. Yep, this is getting more irritating. I'm not dealing with it. I'm just going to try to mm, mm, get a white knuckle it. I'm just going to keep my head down and keep going. Okay, it's more irritating. Before you know it, it's you're bitter about it. And then it becomes a root of bitterness. And it really does damage in relationships. And this can be a thing that can be between parents and children, children and parents, uh, husbands and wives. It just If there's something little there that you need to, number one, if you need to just take it to the Lord and let it go, he'll tell you, then let it go and ask him to take it away from you. He can do that. He's done it for me so many times. Like, this is a thing that I know. I don't do this all the time. I get this wrong a lot, but I've gotten it right enough times that I can tell you. There are times when there's something that's like, ooh, this is, yep, okay, ooh, yep, this is, ooh, this is not going to be good. This is going to be bad. Lord, would you take it right now? Just take it. There have been times that that thing in that very moment I've said, will you cause me to forget this right now instantly? Because I know what that person just said to me. It's going to bother me for a long time. It's going to do a lot of damage in the relationship. It's not going to help me grow in you. It's not going to help me love them well. It's going to become a root of bitterness. I already know it. Take it away. And you know what? Every time I prayed that, he has taken it away. Like it's moments later and I could tell you for nothing what those words were that they said. I have no clue. It's just literally gone. You can pray and ask him to do that. Catch the little foxes. He will help you with this. And then if there's something more that needs to be done or said, Let him lead you, but trust him enough. Trust him enough to show you what are the little foxes that need to be dealt with. You ask him, he'll show you. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Okay. Um, And then chapter eight, verse 6a, the beginning part of verse six and a little bit of the second part of verse six. Place me like a seal over your heart 
And the next part says, for love is as strong as death. Okay, so what are the promises here? Wow, what would our life look like if we really took our walk with Jesus seriously enough that we were like, He's we place him like a seal over our heart. We know Ephesians 6 and putting on the full armor of God and the importance of doing that daily. Can we also recognize that when you put on that breastplate of righteousness, you're covering those internal organs. Think about it. If it were Roman armor, you know, way back in the day, like you, they would be covering their internal organs. One of those organs is the heart. It is the heart. As a woman who has heart issues and has been diagnosed with heart failure, I can tell you, your heart is awfully important. It really, really is. Taking care of it could be um, harder than you think or easier than you think. And in this case, this verse just reminded me that my love for the Lord needs to be like placing a seal over my heart, placing the seal of my love of Jesus over my heart. It's my priority. You know, it's not like, well, bless your heart, like they say in the South. And it's really, they're just like, that is not a nice thing to say. They don't want your heart to be blessed. They are kind of giving you a verbal spanking with with a phrase, well, bless your heart and kind of talking down to you. And, you know, mm, you just, uh, mm. yeah, okay, this isn't like that. This is like your heart will actually be blessed when you choose to kind of keep the Lord as the most important thing in your life, a seal over your heart. You're not going to be running after other gods to worship them. You're not going to be chasing after other things and lusting after other things. And because he has your heart, you've placed him as a seal over it. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. For love is as strong as death, it says in Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 6. I would counter that with this. It's actually Jesus's love is stronger than death. Jesus's love conquered death, defeated death. It's stronger than death. You have nothing to fear because if you don't fear death anymore, there's really nothing left to fear. There's nothing left to fear. So place him as a seal over your heart and walk in the fullness of his love that is stronger than death and just receive the promise and everything that this means, whatever this is bringing to mind right now, like, oh, that comforts me about this scenario, or, oh, I just needed to hear that just to remember that I'm that in this fight to just stay so true to Jesus in a world that doesn't like the name of Jesus and that pushes back against it. it Is this a reminder to you that the Lord is going to keep blessing you and keep loving you and keep holding you close as you make him the center of it all? Like he has your heart. I hope so. I hope so. There's power. There's power in this. If you think about it, if the grave is defeated and it is by Jesus and you know, Jesus, so you're in Jesus, you're saved by the blood of the lamb. Think about this. It strips a lot of the power of what the enemy does in your daily life to just get after you, to harass you, to discourage you. It strips so much of it away. There's a lot of promise here for us. And then the very end of this book, chapter 8, verse 18a, it says, come away, my love. Okay, this is what came to mind when I thought about this, when I read this. Here's what came to mind. Come away, my love. At any moment, the Lord could call you away to him. Literally at any moment, anything could happen. Anything could happen before the end of today. You could be with the Lord. He could say, it's time. Come away, my love. The sky could rip open and Jesus could return at any moment. And then all of us who are in Christ, who are still living here, the dead will rise. The dead in Christ are going to rise. And those of us still living, we would meet him in the air. That's what the New Testament says. That's what Paul wrote. 
This is incredible. If you think about it, he is saying to us, come away, my love. He always wants us to get away and spend time with him daily. Jesus got up early in the morning, sometimes in the middle of the night, to go and pray and spend time with the Father. Are you and I dedicated enough to come away from the things of the world, our phones and our busyness and just all the things of the world, to get away and have time with him? Do it. If you're not doing it, start now. Today is the day. Keep that oil in your lamp because he's coming soon and he's going to want to find you full of oil. Just stay filled up. And I can't do that for you and you can't do that for me. The parable of the 10 virgins shows that I can't be sharing my oil with you and you can't with me when the time comes. Like you've got to be filled up. So be much with Jesus and keep oil in your lamp, but also be prepared for the reality that any moment he could say, ah, yes, come on, come away with me. It's a beautiful thing. It should change everything. This perspective that at any moment we could step into eternity with him because he loves us. Come away, my love. He loves us so much. And when we have our marriage supper with the lamb and us, the bride of Christ, we're there with him, clothed in white that he obtained for us. Think about that. Think about that. What a wonderful day that will be. You are so special to him that he's preparing a place for you. He says, if it were not so, I would not have told you. He's gone ahead to prepare a place for you. You are so loved by him that he lives to intercede for you at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is praying for you. Think about that. This is fantastic news. And one day, your faith is going to become sight when he says, come away, my love. Literally, at any moment, this could happen. So be ready and stay ready. And just keep close to Jesus. Okay, so those are the promises that we find in the book of Song of Songs. And I'm sure there are more. Those are just the ones that really jumped out at me that I felt like were timely and super encouraging. And I hope that's not just for me. I hope you were encouraged by this as well. And I do have to say this, next time we're moving into the book of Isaiah. So far, when I talk about one book of the Bible, I find one or a few promises from that book and I cover it in an episode. The book of Isaiah, I have to admit, I'm like, whoa, how, how can this be done in one episode? I'm not sure it can be. Uh, so if we have multiple episodes on Isaiah's promises, so be it. It's worth it. It's an amazing book. It's a tremendous book. And I'm pretty excited about diving into Isaiah. I think it was last year, uh, maybe the year before I spent, I don't even remember. The, does anybody else feel like the years run together? Like since 2020, it's like it's all kind of mashed together. I think it probably was 2022 that um, I spent the better part of a year in some of my morning daily devotions going through a study of Isaiah. It was amazing and still only barely scratched the surface of what's in Isaiah. Isaiah has been described as like a mini Bible within the Bible, 66 chapters, 66 books, like you get to chapter 40 in Isaiah, and it really turns that corner to just hope. Um, and it's kind of like got the, if you look at, think of the thickness of the Old Testament and the New Testament, Isaiah kind of breaks down that way. The 40 chapters are thicker than, than the, the remaining chapters of the 66 chapters of Isaiah. Uh, it's just a really, it is kind of a mini Bible within the Bible. Um, there are parts of it that are mind-blowing. It's an incredible book. And so I don't think it can be covered in one episode. So maybe if you think of it, pray for me that I would know exactly what to cover and when, what to talk about when we talk about God's promises, and that it would be an encouragement to as many people as possible, because there's no point in any of this if people aren't encouraged. 
There's just, and I mean that literally, there's no point in any of this if people are not encouraged, if they're not drawing closer to Jesus, and if they're not getting their heart ready for the moment when they are going to meet the Lord. And as always, if you have any prayer requests, you can always find me on my social media at Jan Elbert. That's me on TikTok. That's also me on Instagram. Or just send me an email at J-A-N, middle initial L-B-U-R-T, Jan Elbert at Outlook.com. And I will pray for you. Alrighty, I will see you next time. Thanks so much for being here today. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day. And remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.